Thank you, uh, Bishop Johnson. Uh, thank you for all of our leaders who have uh, been a part of uh, this service today. Now we turn ourselves to the word of God. Uh, we are in the last message of the series, The Way to Joy. Let's turn to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 15. We'll be uh, covering just about the entire chapter, but uh, there are about nine verses I'd like us to read. And so I'm going to ask that you just follow along with me as I move down this chapter. Luke chapter 15, we're going to start at verse 1 and 2. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and even eats with them. Verse 6 and 7. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Verses 9 and 10. And when she has found it, that's the coins, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And now verses 22 to 24. But the father said to his servants concerning his son, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. May God add the blessing to the reading of his holy word. I'd like to speak today on the topic, join in on heaven's joy. Join in on heaven's joy. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, today we thank you. You have brought us from far and near that we might bow at your feet. And I pray, Father, that the joy that you have in heaven, that this joy, this, this wonderful joy would be ours today as we join in in the work of God so that heaven might rejoice in what is taking place in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Join in on heaven's joy. Have you ever spoken with someone or been in a conversation with some friends and you noticed other people were listening in? Sometimes people will be so overt as to join in without permission, mind you, or they'll give their opinions unsolicited. In those times, it's, it's very normal for people to respond by saying, excuse me, may I help you? <laughs> or... Uh, sorry, but this does not concern you because they are 
being a part of something that is not of their concern. We will often say, it's none of your business. Well, I want to tell you something, church. Heaven is in our business. Heaven is watching us. Heaven is following us. And heaven is even responding to what we are doing on earth. Heaven cares about what you and I do. Consider Genesis chapter 15 and 16 where uh, the, the Lord, Yahweh, is speaking to Abram. And in verse 16 he says uh, of chapter 15, they shall come back here. This is your, uh, your relatives, the generations that come from you. They shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. God says to Abraham, your people are in this land and they're going to come back to this land called Canaan, but they can't come back until I respond to what the Amorites are doing. The Amorites are sinning and I'm going to evict them from the land. So heaven has always responded to what the world is doing. We also see this in our passage uh, where in chapter 15 of Luke, in the gospel of Luke chapter 15 verse 7, where the Bible tells us that heaven rejoices. Why? Because uh, people are turning to God in repentance on earth. Heaven is rejoicing. It's full of joy because of what's happening on earth. Heaven does, just doesn't see us. Heaven is engaged in our business to such an extent that heaven rejoices when we turn back to God. And when I say that, turn back to God, I'm not talking about repentance. Uh, the backslider coming back to God I'm talking about humanity that has been separated from God because of her sin when we turn back no matter who you are no matter what nation or ethnic group or language no matter what your condition or situation is when all of humanity when anyone in this world turns back to God heaven rejoices because of your action he wants the earth to know his joy because if he's got joy it's because he has brought joy in this world oh bridge of hope do you understand why God cares about our business in this world do you know why he is invested in our business bridge of hope it's because God wants to bring joy it's a good question we've got to ask at this point is what we're doing on this earth now bringing joy to heaven? Oh, this is a question that we've got to ask. Heaven is invested in what we're doing. The question is, is what we're doing bringing joy to heaven? See, we've got to understand why Jesus, Emmanuel, the God who is with us, why he has come. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 tells us that uh, all, of, all of the fullness of God dwells in Jesus in bodily form. It pleased the Father that all the fullness of God 
would dwell in Christ. Why is that important? Because Jesus is the embodiment of God on this earth. And so his actions and his responses in this earth represent actually what heaven's actions and responses will be to us. So when we see that Jesus goes to sinners and welcomes sinners and invites sinners to hear about the kingdom of God, it's because heaven is waiting for them to come. Heaven is waiting to welcome them in and heaven is waiting to celebrate that they have been set free on this earth. See, what we see Jesus doing brings, in our passage in Luke, brings joy to God. He's welcoming thieves. He's welcoming traitors. He's welcoming the immoral. And he's saying, come back. He invites them to return back to God who loves them. Can I tell you today, God wants this world back. And though there is people in this world who don't understand why we would love some people and, and be patient with people and be kind and gracious to people who may not even always be kind or gracious to us, it's because God wants them back. And so we are going to welcome them I was on Facebook the other day and there was a pastor, a friend of mine, and uh, it was a horrible situation. His granddaughter, either she ran away or she was abducted and they posted it on, um, on the social media saying, please pray for us and if you see her, let us know because we want her back. The post reeked of desperation from a family that loved their daughter and loved their granddaughter and was desperate that she be found. They wanted her back just like God wants this world back. Sin has separated us from God. So the Father sent the Son to reconcile the world. Not only did he send the Son, but did you know, Bridge, he's sending us that the world might be reconciled back to him. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 to 20. It says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins or trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal to the world through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He has sent us like nations, send ambassadors so that they can have healthy relationships with other nations. God has sent us into the world because he wants a relationship with people who are far from him. Our mission as ambassadors is so important 
because of the havoc of sin. Sin has separated uh, men and women from God. Can I tell you, if you are living a sinful life, like the tax collectors, like the, uh, those who are considered immoral in our passage, if you are sinning, it's because of one key reason. There has to be a benefit. There is something in your life that says, I don't want to give up this life. I don't want to live any other way because this is benefiting me. In the terms of the tax collectors, they were getting rich. They were stealing from people, but they were getting rich. They were considered traitors, but they were, while they were disrespected among their own, they were respected among the Rome. So they were, they, they, they said, well, I'll take the trade off. Those who were living immoral. Listen, if you are living in in an immoral way and to be immoral is to live against the word and will of God that means there's some benefit that you are getting from it but I want to tell you something about sin sin creates havoc it always takes from you more than it gives it takes from your dignity it takes from your eternal from your eternal future it takes from your character it takes from your soul Jesus I want you to hear in our passage how the scripture describes those who were sinners in our passage he describes them as a, a, a people that God is going after and he says it's like a lost sheep. When a shepherd's sheep has gone astray, they are lost and nobody can find them. So sin has you in a lost state. That Your soul wants to be with God. Your soul wants to be better off, but you are lost sin. The Bible says uh, later when he's talking about the father in terms of his son, he says he was dead. Sin has us dead. Our you are more than your body. And I know your body has desires and your, your mind has in ambitions, but you are more than a mind and a body. You have a spirit. You're, you're trichotic. Your body, mind, and soul. And, uh, your, your, or rather soul and body and spirit. Your mind and soul are together and your body is this and your spirit though. Your spirit is what's eternal. Your spirit is what God wants to make alive. Your spirit, and, and, and when we are in sin, we are dead in our spirit. There's a component of ourselves that can never live. And so you may think right now you had a great experience last week or everything seems okay, but it's not. And you know it. And God says to the one who's lost, to the one who's dead, to the one who's in sin, I want you back. Oh, I know you've heard all kinds of things. God doesn't like you and God's mad at you and he hates you and they'll say all kinds of things in the world. That's the devil trying to make you feel like God doesn't want you. But the gospel is a God that has come after us through Jesus Christ and through us now the church, we are preaching the gospel to you, to the world, to our friends, to our neighbors. He is coming after you. He loves you. My God. They, our lives are empty in sin. We're separated from God. 
This is the problem with the scribes and the Pharisees, though. Jesus has welcomed them. He's welcomed those who are far from God. He's welcomed them because God wants you back. He's welcome. He's inviting you. He's telling you about the kingdom of God because God's kingdom is righteousness and peace and joy. And the Pharisees and scribes, they don't care about people. They don't care about people who are hurting, people who are dead in their spirit. They don't care about people who are far from God. They don't realize, and and they're mocking Jesus. This man eats with sinners. You know why Jesus eats with them? I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 5. It's called an area, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. And in this uh, section or portion of scripture, it's called the Beatitudes, starting at verse 3. And and it it tells us the character of those who are in the kingdom. And as I meditated um, on Luke, it took me back to Matthew, and I recognized, you know what the Beatitudes are? It's the nature of Christ. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are mourning over the brokenness of this world, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, the gentle. They're going to inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness and justice, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the sons of God. The reason why the scribes and the Pharisees did not care about the tax collectors and and those who have been ostracized because of their sin, it's because they were not in the kingdom. It's because they didn't understand heaven. They They weren't aligned with heaven. And so they weren't about making peace. They weren't about meekness. They weren't about mercy. They weren't about about purity in heart. They were selfish. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 5 and 20, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and scribes. You can't have a, you can't come across as, oh, I, I, I seem righteous. No, 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 no. You, you must have a purity of righteousness, a holiness to you. I'm going to talk about that in a second. See, the scribes and Pharisees were not ambassadors of the kingdom of God, but you and I are. And it's funny when we think of ambassadors. I think about those who work at the UN and and they can speak several languages. And and when you hear them speak, they're so fluent. They've got decorum. They they are so sophisticated. And, And I love it. But I want you to know when God is thinking about his ambassadors, He's not thinking of the ambassadors with the tone of, of the UN and the UN ambassadors of the United Nations. No, I want you to think, I want you to look at the passage because in Jesus' parable, his ambassadors who are welcoming sinners, he compares them to a shepherd who is searching. Uh, night and day for his sheep in the wilderness. It may get dirty. They may go through mud. They they may have to go through water so that they can find. They may have to get into crevices in the rock so that they can find that sheep. He compares his ambassadors to a to a woman who tears 
tears her house upside down, moves the furniture, moves everything out the way on the floor, getting dusty, putting her face on the floor. Why? Because she's desperately looking for that coin. The ambassadors of Christ are the ambassadors of the kingdom are compared to a father whose son has, has acted horribly to him, disrespectful to him, but the father is still looking outside, waiting for his son. I want my son to come back. I want my son to come back. And the Bible says while he sees the son coming from afar, he looks. Now the son is coming towards him, and the son is thinking in his mind, I'm going to fall down at his feet and ask for mercy. And yes, well, he should. But the father sees him and runs out the house and runs through the yard and catches this son and hugs him and picks him up. I'm telling you, the ambassadors, they, they, they don't care what they look like. They don't, they don't care what other people think about what they're doing. They care about one thing, their mission from God. I see somebody lost and God wants them back. I see someone dead and God wants them alive because heaven only rejoices when the dead come back to life, when the lost come back found. Can I tell you, I don't care where you are. Heaven is waiting anxiously for you to return. It's not Heaven's not begging you to return. Heaven understands your best days are ahead of you in Christ. But heaven longs for you. Christ longs for you. Because if the things of this world that have seemed to benefit fit you in some way. They, they may be okay for a moment, but heaven, Christ, our God loves you with an everlasting love and he wants you back. And Bridge, we are being called as ambassadors to do whatever we can to bring people back to God. Let the self-righteous say what they want to say. Let them look down on who they want to look down. Let them think they're above other people. Leave them to God. But as for us, my God, we have a mission from the king. The question is, Bridge, are we willing to be heaven's ambassadors? Are you and I, and let me tell you, when I say you and I, I mean literally me. I'm preaching this message, and you may think, well, Pastor Trevor's preaching the message, so he's ambassador. Listen, I'm preaching the message. This is part of my call, but I want you to know my call does not end when the message is over. God's calling me on the street. He's calling me in my neighborhood. He's calling me with whoever I meet. He's calling me in this congregation to make disciples, to bring people to Christ, to become mature in him so that heaven can rejoice. He's calling you too in your school and in your neighborhood and in the store and wherever you go. Bridge, our joy is dependent upon our answer. Are we willing to be heaven's ambassadors? If we're going to join in his joy, it will be because we embrace our calling as his ambassadors.
Lastly, I want to notice something as we go back to verse 15 of Luke chapter, uh, verse 1 of chapter 15 in Luke. It says, the tax collectors and the sinners, notorious sinners, people who were, were, were looked at and isolated, they came to Jesus. And they didn't just come to hang out. They came to listen to him. And they didn't just come to be with him. They came to listen. And then they said, let's, can we eat together and talk more? Because once you sit at a meal, that means you're going to extend the conversation. I wonder why they didn't go to the Pharisees and scribes. The Pharisees and scribes were known to be righteous, but they wanted to listen to the words of Jesus. It wasn't just that the Pharisees and scribes didn't welcome them. I believe it's also they saw in the Pharisees and scribes an artificial righteousness. That, 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 that artificial righteousness Jesus alludes to in Matthew 5 and 20 where he says, if you're my followers, if you're my disciples, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. <laughs> um, I heard the story of ants. I think it may have even been Pastor Javier's dad, Bishop uh, Batista, he said, you know, if there are ants on the ground, if you put sugar on the ground, ants will be drawn to the sugar. But there are certain sweeteners, these artificial sweeteners. You put them on the ground, ants will go around it. The ants recognize there is nothing in that that I want. And when ants do, eat from artificial sweeteners. They starve. You know why? Because the artificial sweeteners have nothing of substance in them. In the sugar is carbohydrates, but in the sweeteners is nothing. So when, if, if the ants did eat it, they would starve because while it would take up space, it would add nothing to their sustenance. And I think they discerned in the scribe. And then the Pharisees, you've got nothing for me. But I want you to know whomever you are, Jesus, hallelujah, has something for you. They came to him because they saw in him what they did not see in anyone else. I believe they saw purity. They saw a righteousness that was genuine. They saw a otherworldliness, a holiness. They saw holiness. Holiness is beautiful. Holiness. Some people use this term, oh, you're holier than thou. And it's almost like it's separation because holiness does mean a separation. But it's, it's not a separation that I want to be separate from you. It's a separation because my life and my character is not going to conform to this world. But when you see authentic, holy, righteous, godly living, it doesn't make you want to avoid it. It makes you want to have it. 
It makes you want to participate in it. When you see a healthy relationship between friends or spouses or family, it doesn't make you say, oh, that's so different. I don't want that. No, it makes you wish. I wish that was mine. I wish I had that. See, holiness is not of this world, but it's wonderful. It's pure. Holiness makes you merciful because the, the, the character is reflective of God. Holiness causes you to live right and, and, and to become truthful and honest because God is not like man that he should lie. Holiness makes you merciful and meek, not to respond in anger with everything, but when you become sanctified and holy, you want to be gentle, even with those who want to be rough with you. Oh, you're tempted to be rough, but my God, he's sanctifying you. And I want you to understand why they would be attracted to Jesus because they're like, he's not like me. They came to hear him because they're saying, he has what I need. It's different than how I am. He, holiness. True holiness causes someone to say, can I have what you have? When we come to Jesus, because we find in him having what we can never have on our own, a reconciled relationship, a love from God, a change in the heart. We can only get that from God. When we ask, God, can I have that? I want you to know what the answer is. Yes. And that's why the Bible said, heaven rejoices when one repents because they've seen what God has. And God says, we want to give it to you. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, he wants to give it to you. Hallelujah. You can have it. I don't care what your life is like. You can have the life of God. You can have new life. You can have new hope. You can have a different mind. You can be changed. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And old things are passed away. And all things be become new I'm telling you today you can come to Christ and he'll change you and let me tell you not only will it change you but heaven will rejoice heaven will throw a party and if heaven is rejoicing then I'm letting you know we are rejoicing too hallelujah we're waiting we're wanting to walk with you we're wanting to encourage you we're wanting to build you up in grace God's desire for this creation is that we would join in on joy with heaven. While the Pharisees were preoccupied with foolishness, with condemning and separating themselves because they did not care, Christ in his holiness is preoccupied with your healing, with your wholeness, with a new heart that he places in you by the Holy Spirit, which changes you from the inside 
which will eventually manifest itself outside. It's not about do this, do that. It's about trust Christ, follow Christ. One of the most beautiful word pictures in this passage is found in Luke 15 and 5. In, in that first parable where there's the lost sheep. And in verse 5 it says, And when he has found the lost sheep, he lays it on his shoulders. <laughs> Do you see? He puts the sheep on his shoulders and rejoices. I want you to imagine Jesus carrying you right now and carrying you home. If you have wandered far from God and you today want to come home, I want you to imagine yourself now coming home. Where is home? Is it back to church? Is it back to my house? No, home is back to God. And God brings you among his people. Yes, he gives you a church, but home is not a building. Home is God. Back in relationship with him. In fact, when you repent for choosing your sin and your selfishness over God, you have to repent. When you repent for choosing the pleasures of this world over the glory of God's love, when you repent over choosing your selfish will and selfish ambition over the pleasure of God's love for us and follow him, you're going to find that often your following is actually God carrying you and rejoicing. We used to sing a song. They, they had a chorus that said, I feel happy. I feel like jumping and skipping and praising the Lord. You know why? It's because you have found that God is carrying you. Oh, my friend. Don't waste any more time with the world. Don't waste any more time with that guy, with that girl, with this foolishness of the world. It's made you bitter long enough. Come home to God. He is welcoming you like he was welcoming these tax collectors. And that's where you will join in on the joy of heaven. Now, Bridge, I want to remind you we are called as ambassadors for heaven. Like Jesus Christ, we must represent heaven and welcome and invite people back home. And your invitation, be merciful, be meek, be peacemaking, be welcoming, be God's church to a spiritually lost world, to a homeless, a spiritually homeless community. Be holy as he is holy because that's what they're going to be drawn to. They're not going to be drawn to buildings. They're not going to be drawn to our intellect. They're going to be drawn to the holiness of God in us. My God. So that we and they and all of heaven can join in on joy. Today, it's time to come home.
It's time to have joy. It's time to align ourselves with the agenda of heaven. It's time to stop doing church like other people and start asking, what does heaven want from us? And it's time to stop living this life like you want to live and start asking Jesus, what do you want from me? Will you pray? Join with me and ask the Lord, Lord, lead me to join in with you in joy. Father, today in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your word that lets us know that Jesus is inviting. Jesus is welcoming. Jesus is talking and telling us about your love and your joy and your righteousness and your goodness. And we want this my God, today, if there's anyone who is far from you, I pray, Father, right now that you would speak to them by the Holy Spirit and they would turn from their own self, their own self-will, their own sin, and turn to you. And Jesus, you'll pick them up on your shoulder and give them joy the joy that's overflowing from the heavens at seeing them repent. And Father, I pray that we would join in your joy. We would invite, we would welcome, we would live like you, Jesus. And you would draw men to yourself. In your name we pray.